Yeah, uh, have you seen the TikToker? That's the reincarnation of Hitler. Oh my God, that guy! It's got a se- he, uh, he's yeah. got a septum ring that yeah. looks like the mustache. Oh my God, that's what a, that's a septum ring. Yeah, it's a septum that's ring. That's so it's a weird. Giant hoop. Ew. Yeah. So and then he's got the birthmark right here, and he's like, you can see this is exactly where I got shot. Yeah, that's the bullshit. He's oh my God, and somebody believes that. People yeah, believe that. People shit. believe that. You know why? Because it's on the internet. Because the con artists like Ed and Lorraine Warren started this shit. God damn. Police are on the scene of a deadly shooting. Graphic orgies of blood and violence. Mutilation, decapitation, torture. Does that sound entertaining? More blood than a blood bank. Have we got your attention? Unbelievable crime at the hands of satanic cults. Despite dozens of tips, help from federal agents, and a $40,000 reward, investigators say there are few solid leads. If you find this disturbing, just wait, because there is a whole other dimension. You are now listening to A Morning Cup of Chaos. So for many of you that do not know the story, I don't know what rock you're living under, but figure the fuck out because your life has some serious fucking issues. But uh, today we're going to be checking out the story of the Lutzes and the story of the DeFeos. We're going to start with the DeFeo family. We're going to get into everything with their murder. And uh, the reason why we're doing all these spooky alien topics right now is because we have somebody that we're going to be interviewing at the end. Or no, it's uh, April. It's next week. Next week? Yeah, it's next week. Because it's April 1st tomorrow. But yeah, we have uh, we Dylan and I are going to be interviewing somebody from uh, the Travel and Discovery Channel. Uh, Brian Irish, he has been a uh, paranormal investigator for the last like 15 fucking years. So we're, we decided we wanted to get spooky with the show. I know it's not in October, but we'll get into more fucked up shit come around, you know, Halloween and stuff. But right now we're going to do ghosts and demons and aliens and all that fun stuff before we get to the interview. So buckle up, ladies and gentlemen, get ready for an entire hour of your time wasted. Do you believe in ghosts? I do. You do? I do. I've had... I had questionable experiences at my last house. Riley can, can uh, Riley can attest to this stuff. I had a fire alarm that would go off constantly, three o'clock, two o'clock in the morning, just randomly go off. Uh, the batteries would be changed, and it w- it was just as one fire or fire uh, alarm. Yep. So we changed it. We got a brand new one. Put it up there. Still did the same thing. So we were like, all right, whatever, not a big deal. It's just a broken fire alarm. Take out the fucking batteries. Throw it in a drawer. Gone. Cool. So there have been times where we would be upstairs and the TV would be off and it'd be dead silent and you could hear walking on our hardwood floors, like stomping almost. And I'm like, hey, Steph, do you hear that? And she's like, yeah. Did you lock the door? Yeah, I locked the door. Okay, well, I locked the back door when I took out Willow. So I know it can't be somebody. There's no way that there's somebody in my house right now. What the fuck is that? I'm not going to get out of bed and look at it because that's how white people die. Yeah, no, yeah. So and then... My last experience, this is all within the same house, within a year, within a year. The last experience I had was probably the most freakiest time. Uh, I didn't have any of the cats. It was just the dog, Stephanie and I. It was just the three of us. So um, we lived in this house, and as we're moving stuff into this house, I'm on the middle floor. There's there's an upstairs, middle floor, basement. So I'm on the middle floor. Stephanie's in the basement doing laundry or getting moving stuff around. She's got a lot of cosplay stuff, so I'm sure she was like unpacking or something. I don't know. I wasn't down there. So I was on the middle floor. I heard a large ass crash, and then it sounded like somebody ran down the first uh, group of stairs because it made it was loud. They were loud steps. They were right. old, old wooden. Like, like actually, like heard somebody you know, like do, run, do, like do, do, oh, do, okay. do. So <laughs> I said, "Hey, Steph, what happened? Are you okay?" And I didn't hear anything. I'm like. Hey, Steph, are you okay? And I start heading that way, and she runs up the stairs, and she's like, hey, are you okay? What do you, what do you mean? Am I okay? Oh, Why are shit. you downstairs? What happened upstairs? Oh, shit. <laughs> yeah, so I, I immediately, um, I, 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 like, we, we talked about it. We kind of just passed it off as, like, nothing. Like, I, I didn't question it. Uh, Riley's been over a couple times. He's seen the fire alarm just randomly go off. Like, you'd be downstairs in the, the main, uh, main floor, and all of a sudden it would go off, and you're like, what the fuck? What the fuck, man? What the fuck? So, yeah. So, we, we've had experiences. I've had experiences. I've heard voices at Riley's old place. I was staying the night, and I was sleeping in his office. And I heard uh, – it, it sounded like whispering. And I was like, 
what what the fuck is that? Because it's like four o'clock in the morning. I'm the only one awake right now. Like I know I'm not hallucinating. Like I've, I've I was I've, gonna say, are you sure you're not? Yeah, and I, was, I swear to God, I swear to fucking God. I mean, I might be. I don't know. I I don't like really keep track of what I do during the day. I could just you know be out there doing shit. But like I I think I'm pretty sane. I'm pretty. Uh, do I like blatantly go out and be like, yeah, I saw some ghosts. I'm going to like make my whole life about this and like try to capture him. No, like that'd be sick. We, we'd still be friends if you did. I, I just know. want you to know that. It's just, it's, it's yeah. I, I like watching him, but do I want to be a part of that? No. Uh, we actually, because of all those events, I actually tried to like download an app, like a ghost talking app onto my phone. Oh, nice. And it wouldn't go off anywhere. Like I'd be at work and it wouldn't talk to me, but when I was at home, it would say things and I'm like, I can't tell if this is bullshit because it's a fucking phone app and it can tell where I'm at most of the time or whatever. But right. like, that was that. That's been it though. What about you? I I do. I like to believe that there's. I don't. I don't know like necessarily what I believe they are. I don't know if I believe they're like, you know, like I don't know if I believe that like your family members like watch over you and shit like that when they die and stuff like that. But I feel like there is like. Almost like a Melvel, Mel, Melvolent, you know what I'm trying to say? No. Malviolent? Malevolent. Malevolent, yes. Like, energy out there that does, like, shit. And it's not, like, a single person or a single thing. It's just, like, an amalgamation of all all the, like, spiritual energy after, like, just aeons of death and, like, shit like that. Yeah, it's just build up of energy. And, like, I, I do, like, kind of believe that, like, some some spirits can, like, manifest stronger, obviously, so then there are, like, single beings. But, like, I believe that, like, a lot of, like, that spooky shit that just, like, happens randomly mm-hmm. is, like, just a random a thing. It doesn't have, like, a purpose as much as it's just – it just – they just for some reason like a spike of energy happens at that time and it's just like boom and something happens in our world too like it like breaks the veil almost for like just a second or like a few minutes you know so i want to pose this question to our listeners if you have some kind of paranormal story i would love to be able to read it uh we're gonna have to take this part out because we're recording tomorrow so like no one's gonna fucking be able to fucking answer this shit we're putting it on Facebook. <laughs> <laughs> so if you have any kind of paranormal experiences, why don't you go ahead and email us at metamisfortune at gmail.com. I would love to be able to read them and be able to talk to you about like your experiences. We'll just do it for like a Patreon, a Patreon or something. Yeah. yeah. Oh, that's perfect. That's perfect. Actually, that's a really good idea. Yeah. If you have a paranormal story and you want it to be read on air and us to talk about it and discuss it, go ahead and email us at metamisfortune at gmail.com. We will definitely open them once we get enough of them. We'll we'll uh, start our Patreon. We'll get a Patreon episode and we'll we'll read those and we'll discuss you know your experiences. I'd love 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 to hear what you guys have to say. You got one more. Thing. I do want to add something because this was freaky. What? So would remember when we first talked about doing Amityville like probably two months back now? Mm-hmm. Every night in that house that I lived in for the last I think month and a half, I would wake up at three fifteen. AM just like fucking George Lutz said he did and I don't know if it was like me subconsciously like doing it but I would just wake up and I would just fucking go downstairs and I would eat something random every fucking night and then I would just go right back upstairs and I would always leave like Is if that it was Dylan's fruit special snacks, na- uh, snack time bro dude, if it was like I don't I don't know if it was it was subconscious <laughs> and it was so weird dude because I'm like watching I'm watching the movie and I'm like 315 I'm like you always get something 315 I'm like whoa whoa interesting i'm like that's such a cool fact as a movie watcher and then i fucking started doing it and i'm like what the f- what the fuck and i'd wake up and it'd be 315 i'd be like no what no so i <laughs> i have two points to make to you right now the first one is going to be synchronicity synchronicity is such a common thing when it comes to the human brain that when we start to notice things we start pointing them out more so like 11 11 you see 11 11 on a clock you're like Ah, it's always 11 oh, 11. like 420, baby. Yeah, 420. Yeah, that's awesome. 420 is another one of those things. It's <clears throat> synchronicity. So, like, you start to notice those things more. So, like, there might have been a night where you, like, slept in and that didn't happen. But that 315, that one time that you woke up, you're like, damn, it's 315 again. What the fuck is going on <laughs> with me? I must have a ghost up my asshole. Dude, it was so scary, though. I was like, I was like, oh, fuck. 
I was like, I'm going to pull George Lutz and I'm going to kill my family. <laughs> this <laughs> Try is how, to. This is how it begins. Dude, because in the movie, they do it so much better than it, the, the book does it. Oh, my God. I would have loved. Because they just don't do, like, oh, it was an undisclosed event that the family, like, you know, in the they last night. And I'm nothing. like, no. It's like, he got drunk all the time. He yeah. started beating everybody because he was they talk about the, They talk about that in the book where they do talk about him, be, him and uh, his wife actually do go too far. Yeah, they but they don't. They, they, they say that they... They beat him so bad that they felt bad in the morning. So obviously they went a little overboard. They had a little too much to drink, and the Lutzes kind of beat their children, and they they wrote about it in a book. I like to feel that my dad had that same sentiment a lot. Like, he would wake up the next morning and be like, hmm, goddamn, sorry, son, because he definitely didn't give a fuck at the time. (laughs) (laughs) And then the other point I was going to make is the, the tropes. The tropes that come from this. Oh, the phantom trope. Just all of it, all of it. That's a phantom troop. You're so close. You're so close. I'm it right there with you. On words. Come on, you get it. I get it. So th- okay, so the trope of the spiritual paranormal events that came out of this movie and book and series, you know, The Exorcist, you're dealing with straight up demons. Like, you know that coming in, like that little girl's being possessed by the devil himself, Pazuzu. But, you know. Pazuzu. Pazuzu. Don't say his name. Say his name three times, and guess what? He's going to pop out your fucking dickhole and be like, surprise, and then go back. Your mother sucks cocks and hill. Yeah, and then just (laughs) pop right back out like a a fucking xenomorph baby. Uh, But the tropes that came from this, it is astounding. The the 315. Mm -hmm. That wasn't a thing before. It's not like at any point in time in The Exorcist did you ever see a clock. Promise. Bet. The only thing you're seeing is a sundial. I promise. When they're in Egypt, all you're seeing oh, is that, yeah, it fucking. It takes place in like fucking Morocco or some crazy. Where does it take place after that when they come back? Like New London, New York, New York. Is it New York? Maybe. I don't remember. I, don't I thought know. it was California it's always. Been a, been a bit since I've seen that movie. Dude, the Exorcist starts so boring. Oh, dude. Well, well, I don't know. I love it, but uh It's like it's an iconic scene. Whenever she comes out, she's like, "Hey, everybody!" and then pisses on the floor. But the the thing with that is that they they have a deleted scene you have to watch the extended version where she crab walks up the fucking steps oh no shit yeah she crab walk, backwards crab walks up the fucking steps Ooh. and her mom watches it and she's like all right i need to call somebody that like, would have been fucking free could you imagine if you went home and callan was doing that i'd beat him with a belt just beat him real hard just beat the shit out of him just to like beat the demons out you know look i don't even feel bad for the lutz kids they were obviously seeing them be possessed so they beat the fucking demons out of them. that's what they were trying to do and that's what the bible teaches us dylan to the, beat the demons out of our beat kids the demons out of our kids with we're the, sp- you know switches and we're supposed to take them up a hill and almost murder them and then we're supposed to take them home the and beat the living way the fuck Lord out of shows his love. Come on. I, I love thought religion. you were oh, me too. It's so fun. This is the story of the Amityville horror and haunting. Let's get into it. Our story starts with Ronald Butch DeFeo Jr. He was a 23-year-old Long Island man who lived at home with his mother, Louise, and his father, Ronald the Senior, aka Big Ronnie. 43 both, respectively. His sisters, Dawn, 18, Allison, 13, and his two younger brothers, Mark, who was 12, and lastly, making six total victims of this story, John, who was the nine-year-old last brother. Before we get into the murders, we need to talk a little bit about Butch and the family themselves. Big Ronnie, his father, was a classic example of the Italian business owner father with a lot of money and a lot of anger issues. There was abuse that not only people in the house knew no bounds, people that were just witnesses and friends and family saw the amount of abuse that Ronnie dished out to everybody. Oh, in the he didn't house. care. He didn't care. Oh no, because it was it was the fifties at the time when yeah. when Ronnie was first born. Little Ronnie Butch. I'll call him Butch so we don't get him confused. It'll be Ronnie and Butch. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> but Butch he was the oldest at the time, and he was born in the 50s. So in the 50s, man, to your dad who owns a car shop, possibly has mob affiliations. Money. <clears throat> yeah, money for days. He even it's... ended up – it's funny because he even wrote a song. He wrote a song? He wrote a song in uh, the 50s or 60s to try and get Luis back because he beat her so many times. So he wrote a song. I think it's called like the real one on the album. One is the lonely, or one is the lo- most lonesome number, or most one lonely number, or something. Is the no, I don't think it's that one. Number that you'll ever do. And that was later on down the line. But to start, they had uh, Butch, 
And Butch, he was he is a troubled kid from yeah, the start. Fucking like, asshole. <clears throat> there was, I mean, you're rich. Your dad beats you. You fucking, you're kind of weird. You're a little pudgy kid because he only grew up to be five eight, so he's not, he wasn't huge. What do you, what do you expect? So he had his problems. Then he grows up. He he has a strong dislike for his little, for basically everybody in his family. His dad beat him all the time, and he hated it. His mom, he actually really loved his mom. You hear from a lot of multiple sources that he actually cared for Luis a ton. And that's one of those things that we'll later get into the conspiracy part when we get into it, where that's why a lot of people think there was more people there, because he was only supposed to kill his dad. He just, he was just I think he just had a breakdown and wanted to kill his father. I... I want to. I want to go. I like right now. Want to go into that? I'm gonna like bite my urges because like you brought this up, and I like I actually have a legitimate question about that. But we're we gonna say there. that. Yep. And uh, so before we get to the actual murders and the in this conspiracy that I really want to get into as well, I'm gonna I'm gonna try and calm it down and keep it to the bare minimums of what we need to know. Ronnie beat his family all the time. Luis loved his or loved her son and daughters she was an okay mom but she was basically a prisoner in the house well yeah that's why she stepped out quite a bit because she understood the abusive relationship and she wanted you know something other than what she had i could only imagine that it sounds like a terrible fucking time to be a woman in the 50s that's for sure but he has money so what are you gonna do and you have security you have a family like back in those days like you didn't get divorced this no. is Henry VIII status. Like he's chopping your head off, or you're 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 stuck there. And, and he and like you said, he has he has money. He has all the money. He made sure that he controlled everything. That's another thing that you know people say. Oh, Ronnie was or uh, excuse me, Butch was twenty three. Why didn't he just go? He didn't have to murder every one of his family members. Why didn't he just go? Well, his dad owned a car shop. If he tried to leave, his dad would take his engine out of his car. Yeah, if he if he tried to go, he'd take away his allowance. And Ronnie didn't have a or Butch didn't have a job. He would be working for his dad for so the dealership. He, he'd be set exactly. So he his allowance would get cut. He would lose everything. He wouldn't be able to buy any any drugs, which would be a huge thing that would keep him around. Because if he had his allowance, he could get drugs. And he was he loved drugs. He was a heroin. He was a speed and uh, acid addict. He he was always on one of the three. That's nuts. I didn't know anything about that, but oh, yeah. I, I knew he had drug problems. Yes, it was. It, those were the three that he I didn't was. Know he was doing three of them. I thought it was just. Uh, I thought it was just heroin. No, because I and that's another thing I I want to get into, but we gotta wait just a few more minutes. God, this is so suspenseful. I know, isn't it? Because the the acid leads into a lot of things possible. Obviously, it's an hallucinogen, so you fucking you see shit all the time. So if he was on it the night of his murders. What could he see in here? And we'll get into it. And then lastly, I want to talk a little bit about his, Butch's relationship with his sisters and his brothers. He kind of hated his little brothers. He w- he thought they were pigs. He he hated that they, he'd share a bathroom with them and it, they were gross apparently and he hated it. He, res- he resented them. So it was kind of like, he was like, kind of like, fuck them kids for those two. I would too, especially if I'm doing all those drugs. His... Uh, his sister Dawn and him had a pretty close relationship. And then we get into his relationship with his 13-year-old sister. We don't really actually hear a lot about anything with them, but or Butch and Dawn were pretty close, and he was pretty close with his mom, so I want to assume that he was pretty close with all the women in his family. Pro- probably It was probably just a hatred for males that was just kind of instilled in him because of his horribly abusive father. And like I said, we we already talked about how he would just control everything the money the cars everything that you couldn't get away and butch was 23 and he he just snapped one day that day was in 1974 it was a rainy night he walks down to the local bar where a bunch of his friends are actually funny enough and he walks in and he legitimately says i think my mom and dad have been shot how do you think how do you think how do you go into a place and go, I think someone's been killed? Well, I smelled some gunpowder, and I saw some red stuff, and 
They didn't respond when I kicked them in the head. I don't know, man. I'm <laughs> fucking driven balls, dude. I walked into my house and there was just fucking shit everywhere, man. You wouldn't fucking believe, dude, if you just opened up your third fucking eye and you would fucking see, man, all the fucking blood everywhere. Now, I don't know if it was me tripping on these 10 hits of acid. I definitely fucking didn't do. But it could also be the fucking leprechaun I'm seeing in the corner giving me the middle finger. Oh, shit. If you take his gold, he's going to hunt you down. That's all I fucking need in this one. So after he says, I think my mom and dad have been shot, he piles into the car with all of his buddies, and they go down a block to his house. They drive a block to his house. That's how you know they're from New York, especially Long Island, because mm-hmm. they're morons. They're idiots. Mm-hmm. All of them. Mm-hmm. So they drive down there. <clears throat> they get out. They go inside. And they figure out for sure that they're dead. Maybe maybe Butch thought he was just tripping really hard and that he just thought they were dead, you know? I put a gun to the back of them, and I, sh- I, I pulled the trigger a couple times. They might be dead. One of them might be alive. I'm not sure. I even did one executioner style, and they might still have a chance. I don't know. After confirming that his family was dead, they finally called the police. They obviously took Butch into custody because he was the only one alive out of his six other family members. I don't know what the fuck he was thinking. He's like, you know what? I just killed everybody. I'm going to go check out the local bar, maybe get a drink and tell everybody about it. Well, he said he wasn't there for dinner that night, so he came home because his mom was a terrible cook. So he came home and he said, I came home and I saw him and my whole family was shot, I think. He goes over to the bar. And that's a weird, that's just weird. I could never imagine, like, what would you, why would you go to the bar first thing? Thank you. That was my question. Why the bar? Why not, like, I don't know, anywhere else? Well, who are you going to call, I guess? Ghostbusters? Nice. You set that up, bro. I couldn't, like, not spike that down. Who are you going to call? Like, your family? You just. You just fucking. Slaughtered them. And cold blood. Yeah. But like I said, uh, he was on a he was on a mix of drug cocktails. Obviously, he was. He, they said that he was some kind of inebriated when he was arrested. When they were questioning him, he he sat there for twelve hours in the interrogation room. And the cops, while he was doing this, were dealing with a murder scene that was like absolutely the craziest thing that has almost ever been seen. There was six dead bodies in this house brothers his two sisters and his two parents all dead all laying on their backs or on their fronts they yeah they were shot in the back so they were laying on their bellies and they were all shot in the back except for the mom who was shot in the back of the head yeah she was the only one the only one because there well there is there is evidence that would st- that would show that uh the mom and the 13 year old daughter were that were awake at the time of being shot. Those were the only two that show evidence of being awake. The The father and the brothers, they all show evidence of being asleep when they were murdered. The mom and the 13-year-old were not. That would make sense because they were like, you know, if the father was the first target and we shot dad and then mom wakes up from her drug-induced coma that he put her in, she shoots up and he freaks out because he's probably tripping his fucking ass off. He's going to pull the trigger. Oh, yeah. And then he's like, great, I killed my mom and dad. What do I do now? My brother and sister aren't going to be able to survive without my mom and dad. I better kill them too. And that's probably what he fucking did. And then he shot one another family member and the sister wakes up and she runs down the hallway and she's like, oh my God, Butch, what's going on? Why are you? Why do you have a gun? Why are you coming at me? And why, why are you covered in blood? Boom, sister's gone, puts her back in the bed. That's all like this whole thing is so fucking gruesome. And especially for the time period. I mean, yes, we at this is this is the ramp up for serial killers. Well, yeah, it's I mean, it's 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 not pre serial killer, but it's pretty fucking close. This is ramp up. This is ramp up. This is when they're at their fullest, dude. This is when serial killers are fucking everywhere at this point in time. Yeah, I was going to say the mid 70s. Yeah, because we covered Alcala and he was he was in prison at the time. Bundy was doing his thing at this time. The Hillside Stranglers, Son of Sam. Night Stalker, dude. They were all out there at this point in time. And like the fact that that we have this 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 crazy ramp up and we've got this this drug addled kid who is sick of his family, he's sick of his dad, always coming home drunk from the bar, beating his fucking ass because guess what? You looked at him wrong. Oh, yeah. And you have the idea that you can't leave him because he's your meal ticket. 
So you're just waiting for this fucker to die. Oh, yeah. Speed it up. <clears throat> Speed it up. That's his mindset. Pulls the fucking trigger on dear old dad to get that life insurance. Mom wakes up. Bam. Dead. I don't even think he was smart enough to think about life insurance. I honestly think it was just he just he just hated his dad so much. And he was so fucked up one night. Because we'll get into it in just a second, actually. Let's stop. Let's take a look at what we got right now. We have six dead family members. Six. Two of them showed signs of being awake. All the rest of them showed signs of being asleep when they were murdered. Mm-hmm. We only know that Butch was there. We know that Butch was there alone, technically. That's what we know is that he was the only convicted killer. Mm-hmm. He went in and supposedly killed his family. Yep. Somehow he killed three people while they were all... Well, two of them are still asleep. Definitely, I don't understand how. Definitely it's checks out. It checks out. But then he leaves. He comes back, and then he goes to the bar, and now we have people looking at this murder with obvious, like, not paranormal yet, but obviously suspicious, like, circumstances around how one guy did all this. Why would one and guy nobody, kill his entire family? And nobody heard it. Oh, there's plenty of reasons. Yeah, well, I family mean, annihilation this point, is at, like huge. I, well, yeah, I know that, but like at this point in time, like it, that's probably the mindset. It's it's yeah. not like where we're at, where it's like, oh, we've seen this a hundred different times. We know how this works. You can't you can't Chris Watts your way into the, any situation without being caught these days. Mm-hmm. Like I'm sorry, like back then that 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 wasn't something that everybody fucking did all the time. I know, and. It happened more often than you think, though. Yeah, it, it, I'm sure it fucking did. But like at this point in time, that's not the go-to. It's not not like, in Amityville, Long Island, or no, in Amityville, New York. No, it, it, this not, was at a least nice, not there. rich, uppity family in a nice. Think about a gated community without the gate, dude. Yeah, this basically, is a, this is everybody around you is making fucking hella money. As nice as you can make Long Island trash, truly. Yeah. I can't even imagine what they paid for that house in general. Oh, they were pre-Jersey Shore people. Like, I, I totally, like, think that this is, they were, like, the prototypes for, like, Jersey Shore. Like, just tons of drugs, tons of party, tons of monies to just throw away. The family, like, being so close and shit like that. And then it just seeped its way through the eastern seaboard. Yep. <laughs> yep. Can't stand Guidos. <sighs> They're... That show, that show, we're not gonna get into it. Just delete that. Yeah, that's totally a different haunted fucking yeah. thing to talk about. Yeah, I'm. I got that as nightmares. <clears throat> so we have him in custody now, doing his interrogation. Your whole family's dead. We're gonna go over the stories now that he would give. There is countless. There is so many stories that he gives, but I singled out, I think three that we're gonna talk about that are the most viable and. It will go over what he eventually says that he did. So there's the <clears throat> we'll we'll start with the fun one because I like it. They haven't gotten into the ghosts yet. We haven't gotten into demons or anything like that yet. So here's scenario one. Butch says the night of the murders, him and Dawn were watching a movie and they were hanging out. She went upstairs and we don't know what they said or did or anything like that, but. After a few hours, he's sitting there down alone in the basement. I want to say he's tripping on acid. Probably. And he starts hearing voices of his family saying that they're going to kill him. He he attests to this. So uh, we've talked about this on the show whenever I said that I've done hallucinogens like mushrooms and I've done a little too much. You hear people talking that that aren't that aren't speaking. I thought one guy wanted to fight me, and I was like his friend, and I was like, "Dude, if you want to take this outside, we can go outside." I'm tripping my ass off right now, but like, I'll put, I'll I'll put up my dukes, man. I don't give a fuck. And he was like, uh, "Bro, I'm not even talking. I'm watching this movie. We're watching Dazed and Confused right now. Why? What? What's going on with you right now?" I'm like, "All right, I am on too many drugs." Yep. So, so that, we that happened. So yeah, and that's the thing. With us being seasoned drug users. <laughs> yeah, okay. All right. Well, yeah. Uh, yeah. All right, yeah. With us being fun seasonal. Or, uh, recreational. Recreational, Recreational. Yeah. Fun recreational drug users. <laughs> we we know what it's like to be under a hallucinogen. So, I, so that checks out, like you said. And then the gun that was used was a 30-30 Marlin lever-action rifle. 
I don't know a ton about guns. I don't know shit about guns. But I know that a lever action rifle is pretty fucking loud, and a thirty thirty is a pretty big caliber. So it's oh, yeah. fucking it's it should have been heard. The neighbors never heard any any gunshots that night. Nobody nobody attests to hearing any gunshots. So people like um, the father, when he got shot, he got shot twice. There was two bullets in him. So he, bam, bam. So there was at least like eight shots yeah. this night. Yeah. So and not a single fucking person. Like, granted, it was at 315, which was a nice touch by the Lutzes. But it was at 315 when all this happened, and nobody fucking woke up during all this. They what had, did he do? Poison the whole fucking neighborhood? I was going to say, they either had the, the, they either, Amityville was either the most fucking like sound sleeping fucking town. Everybody's in on the Ambien. entire world. Yeah, I was going to say, or they were all just on like the wildest drug cocktails because they just, apparently nobody heard it this night. So, we get eight shots that night, nobody hears anything, and <clears throat> that's kind of weird. But before that, Butch is downstairs and he's he's still tripping balls. And he says that the gun itself, the thirty thirty Marlin, was given to him by a demon in black robe with black hands, like black gloves on their hands, and he couldn't see the face. Like a demon came out of the wall and gave him the gun to commit the murder. Yeah, so he was either schizophrenic at this point in time, and he's doing a bunch of drugs, which cannot be helping the situation at all. Like, I, I feel like if I had schizophrenia and I took acid, it would be the most wild trip I've ever been on in my entire fucking life. Like... The people that aren't the people that are talking aren't talking. The people that are in my head talking, they're like screaming at me at this point in time. But I just I think he just did too many drugs, found a gun, and then just said, Hey dude, that's wild. And now he's got a gun. He's like, All right, conscious, you just take the wheel and I'll just fucking pull the action, you know what I'm saying? I'll just do it. Oh yeah, he because when we'll later find out that when the court uh the yeah, the court psychiatrist that was looking after him he definitely was not schizophrenic. He was just a heavy drug-using, antisocial personality disorder person. And if you know anything about that, it does not make you hallucinate or make you hear things. It just makes no. you kind of a dick. Yep. So he was just kind of a dick. <laughs> so he, he he's given the gun by the demon, and he goes upstairs, and he kills six people. And then he goes out. He, sleep, he sleeps the night off. And at 6.30 the next day, he goes to the bar. Cops are called shortly after. He's arrested. That's yep. the story that he gives the cops. That's the first one. Mm-hmm. So that's how that one goes. Second story he gives is him and Dawn actually murdered their family they together. planned it together. Yep. So that night when they were watching movies, they must have been talking about it because Dawn apparently wanted to move to Florida with a boyfriend at the time. And... Well, she wanted to she wanted to do something with a boyfriend. I think it was like move away or something like that. She wanted to move away with like a boyfriend at the time and her father wouldn't let her. So she now had a reason to hate her dad and I'm sure she probably got the abuse and shit too, but she had a reason in the time to be like I hate him so much, I could kill him. So they're sitting down there, they're talking and they're like, "You know what? Dad's got to dad's got to go." Mm-hmm. So they wake, they go, and they they commit these murders at the same time. They plan to kill the dad. Dawn ends up killing the mom that Butch loves so much. Mm-hmm. He has to kill Dawn, and then there's three children left. He can't keep them alive, mm-hmm. so he has to kill the rest of the family. Yeah, and then he gets arrested. Yeah, so that's that's the most plausible one in my opinion, because and- I don't want to say. I don't want to discredit demons, but I'm going to say that the first one is a little implausible. The second mm-hmm. one is definitely more plausible. Mm-hmm. The third one, and the one that he gave, like, initially at the house, was that a mob hitman came and whacked his whole family. Yep. Louis Fellini, actually. He gave a name and everything? Oh, yeah. he was. What's at, the idea? He, what, do you know what he looks like? I don't know what Louis Fellini looks like. I know that the the officers said that, Butch said that, Ronnie called him a cocksucker one time, and, and that's, that's why he that's... killed the whole family. Okay, that makes so, sense. But he actually, Louis Fellini was actually called in and had an alibi. Mm. So that one was kind of shit right away. He was away. drowning another person. That's what he was doing. Yeah, exactly. Massive I, drug I, deals, I, drowning people. He was doing other things. I really wanted to like know what 
his alibi was. I don't remember what it was off the top of my head, but I'm like, they said like he had an alibi. So they like, he snitched and brought this motherfucker in and he's, he was like, dude, I didn't even do this one. I had people <laughs> all around me at all hours of the day. So, so those are the the three biggest ones. The mob hitman, which one, or one, which was discredited right away. Oh yeah. The demon one, which unfortunately in court and fucking in, in real life, unfortunately is just not the most plausible one. And then the second one, which only Butch can attest to, is that him and Don killed the family together, but Don's dead. So see what you'll learn. What you'll learn about this story is it's a lot of it's a lot of you taking shady words from shady people and accepting it as truth. Because like, what else are you gonna go after? Like, what else is there to show you that that didn't happen? Exactly, and that's. That ultimately is why a court saw that Butch was uh, Ronald Ronald DeFeo Jr. was sentenced to six consecutive 25-year-to-life sentences for killing his entire family, and he stayed in jail and died. 2020, 2016. 2016. Yeah, 2016. Yeah. So. Got my dates. They're up there, dude. Yeah. Yeah, hell yeah. You did your research. And so he got his life sentences. There's a there's three possible stories in the end. Uh, unfortunately, like I said, in the end, he said that the murder took place. There was three of us there that killed everybody. He doesn't name the other person. He says that it was the other one might have been Dawn, and then in court he retracts all of it and back forth flip flops. He's he's a character. If you ever want to see anything kind of funny, go watch some of his interactions on YouTube with his uh with the attorneys and stuff. He's he is quite a character for the time being, but. He he rots in jail, and all we can go off of is his word that him and two other people killed his whole family. Yep. So he was convicted in 1974. No, in 1975. The murders took place in 74, and not even a year after he was convicted, we get the Lutz family moving in, and that's where the Amityville horror story actually starts. Dun, dun. As we were saying earlier, the DeFeos only played a small part in this story. But what comes out of it and their part of the story that is actually huge to this is Butch DeFeo's defense attorney, William Weber. He came out. at the, They moved into the house of his defendant, Butch DeFeo, right after the murders, basically. And with that, they moved into, what is it? It's 112 Ocean Avenue. 112 Ocean Avenue. Dylan, play Ocean Avenue by Yellow Card. Nice. So they move into 112 Ocean Avenue right after these murders. They get such a good deal on it because, you know, they sit down, they deliberate as if, should we do this? Do you guys care if we do this? Are you superstitious? They say, no, we're not. This would be cool. Let's move in. So they get a great deal on the house. They move in right after these people are slain. They last 28 days in this house. 28 fucking days. And like I was talking to Dylan earlier, there are some loans that you can back out within 30 days to get your money back out of the house. So this story, like, already screams it's a big fucking lie. But the stuff that makes it not seem like a lie is what we're going to get into right now. So the defense attorney, William Weber, finds out that this family, after 28 days, left his defendant's home claiming a haunting. So he thought, I can get with these people and I can try and use some of this in court to try and help win his case or mm-hmm. at least get DeFeo... A, in shorter, court to a shorter sentence. A shorter sentence, insanity, something like that. And so he goes into it, <clears throat> and he talks to them, and he admits years later down the road to talking with them multiple times, showing them evidence, showing them crime scene photos, everything. And they met, I think it was like in March, and they met like nine or six times, like, like no, like nine or 13 times or some shit like that. Like, he, like, name-dropped the number. It was like, boom, we met this many times, and we talked about this, and we would get hammered on wine, and it was just fucking yada, 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 and you just go on and on and on about it later on. But at the time, nobody knew any of this stuff, so they're talking, they're getting all this information, and he comes out and says, we should do a book. Yeah. Right. Money idea. Yeah, exactly. We Every politician this, this year is doing that. Ever since the whole Trump administration, all of them. Dr. Fauci just dropped a book just by doing the, his thing. Like it, it makes it makes so much sense because you make so much money 
off of a book that other people are writing for you. Oh, yeah. It's literally just, you just are you, so you write a book because you got something to write about. Yeah. You got and you're you, riding the wave. Yeah, that's you're the riding the coattails of a mass of a of a family annihilator. Like that's honestly what he, yeah. they're doing. Yeah. And he's like, I can not only get paid by one of the richest people in Amityville because now he's got his father's money. If it's insanity, you know, he's gonna get out. Whatever. So you're getting money from him. You're getting money off a five million dollar book deal, basically, from just writing what these people are. These crazy, stupid people are saying. Well, not yet. This this is before that because they didn't because before we get into any book deals, Weber wanted to have Ron or Butch get some of the proceeds, mm-hmm. and they were like, "No, the Lutzes, Kathy and George said, no, we're not going to do it." So Kathy and George take their story, them and their three kids take their story to this guy Jay Ansom, who gets mm-hmm. a hold of them. Jay Ansom became one of the richest people to ever get into paranormal anything paranormal writing paranormal studies paranormal anything and he didn't even care about the shit he just was like i see money with this so he got a hold of them they had all this information from the defense attorney so they're feeding all this information to him he's like we could turn this into oh there was a lot of flies in this picture of the crime scene. So there had to be a lot of flies on the... It had to happen all the time. And you know what's crazy is that we discovered that in the Exorcist movie in the book that when there's a lot of flies, there's demons. And it's like, boom, got a demon story. There's proof. If I need more, guess what? We can find it. It's oh, yeah. all right here. It's all right here. And these people, all they do is they go in. This guy has a tape recorder. He gets George drunk a little bit. And he's like, tell your story, dude. Tells the story, boom, there's your book. All you got to type out is what he's fucking saying, but, like, coherently. Mm-hmm. They, they, when I read this book, I wanted to throw the goddamn book so many fucking times because, like, I would hear this shit, like, the slime is oozing from the walls. The light switch will flick on and off, on and off. It's the, it's the hash-slinging slasher. Hash-slinging <laughs> slasher! So they... That's basically what they do, man. And they they made so... They didn't make a lot of money. They made enough. Well, at that point in oh time... Oh, my God. You just blew my mind. Did SpongeBob reference The Exorcist? Yeah. Or Amityville? Yeah. Whoa. Yeah. Whoa. Yeah. Did that break you? Whoa. People are like, is this real? That's crazy. Dude, I'm like actually like... I didn't even think... Look at the media it touches. Read into it. There's 30 books... And there's 30 books and or movies. That's crazy. Yeah, that story has produced a lot from it. And it's all, like Tyler said, it's all just taking a story and running with it. And and we find out, so let's go over a little bit of what the story entails of a haunting for these people. I, I Some of it's pretty cool. The movie does it way better. But we'll get into that in a little bit. So... I just want to go over the main haunting stuff because obviously you guys have, obviously you guys have heard the story. You know what happened. You've watched the movies. If you haven't, I'm I'm quite literally shocked you are listening to this podcast. We love Ryan Reynolds here. I love Ryan. And, Reynolds. And if you don't get like a gist of that because like the Ryan Reynolds movie doesn't even like touch the original. Like it doesn't. Like I love Ryan. I'll watch anything Ryan's in. I'll watch like his rom coms and shit. But like that original movie, that shit was fucking real good. Dude, I do I the one thing I do like is how much they like went if they like went into like the demon like possessing him in the mm-hmm. fucking Ryan Reynolds one though. Because, because that whole like secret room thing that they did with like the blood altars and shit. I was like, this is kinda cool. So like that that stuff, like, whenever I was reading that book, I tried to have that movie in mind. Yeah. I tried really hard. I'm like, at any point in time, this dude's going to fucking snap, and it never happens. Like, they both get, like, cranky at each other. Like, being in this house, they move in. Uh, you know, weird stuff, like, doors flying open. Doors Immediately. Being, doors, first, yeah. first day, they move in. Their dog tries to hang themselves, or it tries to hang itself, and then... After that, it's just the gates are open. Yeah, so, like, whenever you watch, like, something like the Ryan Reynolds Amityville horror movie, you have this this expectation that this dude's just going to fucking slowly but surely lose his shit. He's, he's a nice guy. You can tell he's a nice guy from the start of it, but by, like, mid-movie, he's trying to kill the entire family. With 
the actual story that's being told, he doesn't obsess with like the basement. Like he looks into it like a little bit. He's like, what's this room? It's red. And it gave me the heebie jeebies. <laughs> and like, that's, that's cool. And all like, he like kind of like pokes his head in like, Hey, this room is red. All right. Bye. In the Ryan Reynolds movie, the rendition of that Ryan is like, sitting in front of a fucking couch in the basement, like trying to stay warm. And that does happen in the book. They are, George is constantly fucking freezing. He's constantly cold. The family doesn't understand. They're like, yeah, it's kind of cold, but like, why are you like shivering and your, your face is turning blue? Like he's, he's like honestly freaking out the entire time about how cold (laughs) it is in the house, which I think is just him being picky. He's like, Oh, it's, it says it's 62. But but they said he was obsessed with chopping was, wood. Oh uh, yeah, and they, they did, said that he would just chop fucking wood and he would put it into the fir- into the fireplace and then he'd just sit there in front of it and he'd still just be cold to the fucking touch. Yeah. So it's like, it, and that's and that's where you really see how Hollywood they did this. Like Jay Ansem, he basically wrote a fucking movie. He didn't really write a book. He basically wrote a movie because mm-hmm. the movie is basically a carbon copy of everything that he wrote, except for a few things, because they just, based on a true story, just means that those two people existed, that house existed, and that they are saying or stuff happened. That is it. And if you read the book, if you read the epilogue, a lot of people don't. A lot of people are like, oh, I finished the book. If you read the epilogue, he even admits it in the epilogue he's like yo this stuff like it it might have happened it could have happened i'm just writing what they said they said this stuff and i believe them and that's all that's all he had to put in there and it's tr- based on a true story yeah and to the screenwriter of the movie he even said it's up to the reader to decide if this is true or not that so that makes me so angry how can you have a truce based on a true story not based, but it, it, this is a true story. Yeah, like they, yeah. they branded it as this is a true story. These people were spooked out of their fucking house after moving into a, a murder, murder crime scene, basically. Well, that's that's what this had over The Exorcist. Mm-hmm. This was based on something that happened. People knew these fucking people. People knew, like the Lutz family, when they kept that name for the movies and all that, like they knew. These people were known to people, so they it was. It's just one of those things that people bought it because they were riding the Exorcist wave. They were into ghosts, devils, and demons. Didn't even they were not like a. They're not so prevalent. In they're that not. Point they're time. not an enemy at the time. At the in the fifties and the seventies, they were not an enemy. When the Exorcist came out. People they gave lost form. Their fucking mind. Yeah, because demons and because because demons could possess your daughter, because ghosts could take over and and do stuff like in Poltergeist and destroy your house and mm-hmm. take your daughter into a different dimension and and all this wild shit because this book said it could and then a book right after confirmed it can mm-hmm. because it's based on a true story. So the green slime that they're seeing, the apparitions that they're seeing. George said that he woke up one night. And he looked over at Kathy, and she was 70 years old. She was, like, a decrepit old lady. And he, she was levitating above the bed. And then you also, like, I think another part of this book and this story is the fact that it follows a priest at the same time that it's following the Lutz family. When they move in, and George is like, it's cold. It's cold. It's cold in here. I'm just going to keep throwing wood in here. And that's that's cool. Like, and then it jumps over and it's got this pastor. They call this pastor mm-hmm. and this priest comes over and they're like, hey, can you bless the house? He blesses the house. And within five seconds of being in this house, he hears a manly voice going, get out. Mm-hmm. You hear this get out and then he gets slapped mm-hmm. and then he goes home and then shit starts happening to yeah. him at his home. He, he gets stigmata and, and anybody, who, even, doesn't, anybody who doesn't know, stigmata is the, the, the Jesus holes. Christ. Uh, it's when you get... Uh, abrasions or boils or stuff on your hands where jesus christ was exactly uh, what cru- crucified? crucified yeah where he was crucified i don't read those kind of stories no you're good it's just a giant fi- the best f- fictional book i've ever read ever you read it no yes okay. i was in a another time okay but <laughs> okay. Res- respectable yeah it didn't even happen right directly after him like him it being in the house it happens and then he gets into his car and fucked up shit happens in his car and he has to call another pastor to come get him. Oh yeah. And then yeah. shit starts happening to him. So now you've involved the church, which again gives this story right off the bat legitimacy. 
There is legitimacy right for the story itself. I know, I know. For, it's just for funny the... for the time period because yes. now you think like the church said it and I'm like, oh yeah, the first thing I think is legitimate news. Exactly. So like at this point in time, you know, you're thinking in the 70s and you have these like buttoned up white collared families and they're like, oh shit, the church that we go to every Sunday donate 15% of our paychecks to. They're in this now and they're actual real people. So obviously this had to happen. The fucking author didn't even bother to try to find the father and ask him questions about if it happened. He just took what they said to heart and made a book. But the father went on uh, interviews and talk shows and actually talked to people about it and said, yes, this happened. He he went on to like. Really? Yeah. He has. In, they have interviews. He doesn't. He's it's like superimposed where like he does. His face is all blacked out and shit because he's probably a pedophile. So they didn't like brand his face but he's like talking he's got the voice recorder thing and he's like yes i see you know i this stuff happened and i can attest to this and i was the father that did this i think they'd call him like father ray or some shit like that and then when he actually like was brought in to like court one day like they like to attest to it like he was like no this didn't happen i was never there i talked to them yeah on the phone put like your twice. fucking hand on a bible you fucker exactly he does and he's like oh fuck being a priest i can't lie he's like well yep mm-hmm. he's like this i talked to happen. him on the phone that's it so we've got the priest who attests to all this and turns out he's a liar we have the lutzes who attest to all this and it turns out they're lying and then they have the police also in this book that there are officers that have to make these checkups that do find them in certain situations where they're like hey this is fucking weird your door is ripped off the hinges why is that why is your garage your your boathouse door ripped off its hinges you had to be super strong well yeah he's fucking cutting wood all day he's fucking yoked <laughs> but i'm just saying like they have the police they in the story they had the police very involved in it yeah and the police couldn't be bothered to comment on it because they knew it was bullshit they didn't bring him in a court they were just like hey did this happen and it's like i i don't know it might have i don't know no one's no one's really commenting on it so like no but like sure Right. I mean, everybody was complicit in this, and that's why it sold so much. That's why it was such a big thing. And we've talked about the book. The movie comes out two years later. It has James Brolin and Margot Kidder in it, so the the hype on it is just huge. You know, the, the Lutzes don't even start going on, like, their their, like, TV talk show circuit until after the movie, and all this shit comes out. And the Lutzes actually even, like, George on camera and in interviews was even like, I wish they would have, you know, not Hollywooded it up so much because I actually, what actually happened was more terrifying. So they do attest that stuff really did happen, but obviously they... You have to stay in character, though. At that yeah. point in time, you're so committed to the role and the, the thing well, that's tied to your name. Like, if... They, they seemed... He seemed remorseful about it. He seemed like he... Like, he seemed truly like, yes... I said stuff, but, like, I didn't tell them all that. That is, like, the Hollywood movie. Like, if they would have done it more like what actually happened, I would have felt better because this stuff affected our Terror, family. Terrified you know? the family. You know? and, and, and that's why another thing, you know, yes, it came out as bullshit, but, like, they they played their characters very well, and they had the best supporting actors when it came to that type of stuff. They had the best people behind them with Jay Ansem. Yeah, he fucked them over, and they made little bit they made a few hundred thousand dollars and he three hundred thousand dollars there yeah three hundred thousand dollars from the book got. and from the movie so yeah. 600 total and he made millions from those so and and when you say it affected the family like the kids i don't know how i mean obviously they have to be involved in this at some point like daddy's got to have a special sidebar talk with you know all the all the kids the three mm-hmm. kids and be like hey someone asked you a question about this shit just tell them it's true because the little girl, Mit, Mits, Misty, Mitzvi, Missy, Missy, I think Missy. Yeah. So Missy, uh, sh- later down the road, when they ask her about her made up imaginary pig friend, Jody, Jody, that the dad definitely apparently sees in in, in uh, Missy's window. Uh, she doesn't even like to talk about it. She just she just says, you know, no comment. So like, I mean. That's all she has to say. 
people understand she was traumatized it was those she was a little they were little kids yeah i mean if nothing else i like if nothing else i like to think that they the amount of stuff that was going on true or not the family was obviously under a lot of distress and a lot of stuff during the time that was would negatively negatively affect children and if they never get told that that stuff wasn't true i could see it affecting them i've never actually like looked into like i don't think i've seen anything about the kids on like they don't any of the interviews or anything like that so Mm -hmm. it's just kind of one of those things but for the most part as of the movie everybody kind of thinks it's true but it you know it hasn't come out as bullshit yet and when we're doing that the thing that makes this the thing that brought this into the paranormal world with some legitimacy is the biggest con artist in the whole. Think about a whole team of Zach Baggins just in one room. Yeah, think of a husband, wife, Zach Baggins, <laughs> and then and then you just make them a little British and a little ugly, and you get the Warrens, Ed and Lorraine. Ed and Lorraine Warren came right after the Lutzes left. They came right after, and it was like a month after. Yeah, it was like a month, and they brought a few other, uh, a few other psychics and mediums, mediums and they had the news uh, channel there because of uh, Lauren Didio. She mm-hmm. was a reporter at the time, and she got a hold of them and wanted to be there for the seance. Mm-hmm. And it's really funny because what what really kind of blew these guys out was this seance because. She even says on camera, and she admits to it. She's like, you know, as a, as a reporter, I can't, you know, I didn't experience anything. Yeah. But, but all these people, they were really going he, through some stuff. It's he, a her. Oh, so I thought no, the the cameraman. Oh, the cameraman. The yes. cameraman said that he had like he chest was, pain. Yeah, you know, you know what? Uh, what Jay said in the epilogue was that that he was a marine veteran, and he had like heart palpitations. And it like it even like brought people that weren't a part of the sham into the the field of being a part of the sham. And I feel like that's just all hype up. Like you have like all these people in the room and then you start panicking. Maybe that guy had anxiety. I mean, it's not like anxiety was really talked about in the fucking 70s. Well, that and that's the thing. What makes this legitimate at the time is bringing in these people who were Mm -hmm. thought to be legitimate. Now we know that the Warrens were full of shit. They were, they were Catholic superheroes. That's all they were. The conjuring paints them as, as Catholic Superman and Catholic super or wonder woman. Like they come in and they save this family from all these curses and all this, all these demons. And, and in reality, they walked through the Amityville whorehouse, took some pictures. They took some pictures. They, they said that they had their episodes and felt some stuff. Had a seance. They had a seance, yes. And then, like you, like I said, all of the people that are in the paranormal world said they felt something and they yep. felt evil in this house. When the one that wasn't, the reporter, said what she said, she said, I just, you know, as a reporter, I didn't, like I said, as a reporter, I did not. I watched some shit. Anything. I watched some people freak out, but like nothing really happened. She's like nothing that I've seen affected them. So like it, the one real legitimate nowadays believable source, which is a reporter over paranormal experts, she says nothing. The Warrens, happened. the Warrens actually try to back up their stuff. So the reason why the Warrens were able to get away with so much stuff back then, not only just because of the time frame. But because the Warrens came in, they investigated, they did their seance, uh, they all had their own experiences they told everybody about, but for the most part, there was nothing legitimate caught on camera or anything like that. There was a few photos that some of the interns and secretaries of some of the people would look at, and they would like notice small things or feel some type of way. There was one lady who was pregnant that said that every time she looked at a picture, it was kind of unsettling the baby she had in her tummy would kick. So little stuff like that, personal things to kind of make it seem more legitimate. But like I said, the family came out and they said that it was mostly bullshit. Everything that they ended up talking about was much more greatly exaggerated. They, They really didn't go through as much as they said they did. They had a few weird experiences that did haunt and make the family feel weird. But So besides the cold atmosphere that george felt constantly you know people that walked into their house they were like yeah it's kind of cold but like i you know it, whatever it is what it is uh we had a white face burnt 
onto the back of their fireplace, which I, to this moment, I still don't understand why they just didn't get a picture if it was real. Mm-hmm. No, so, there's a lot of things like that where I'm like, I understand. We, we have the floating wife. We have the wife looking like an old lady. We have the daughter playing with an imaginary pig man named Jody that George does see on one of his boat adventures because he goes out to the the ship house or whatever the hell it is, the boat house, yep. constantly to check on his bow. And at 3.15, he's, he's constantly waking up at this time, which I think is a synchronicity. Uh, I believe there were phantoms that they saw. They saw like a, a apparition. Ma- apparition. Thank you. They saw apparition in on the staircase. They... Uh, George would hear marching bands throughout the house. Um, voices were heard. Uh, just it, just a variety of stuff. I mean, it's just like everything you think that could be in a book or in a story about ghosts and people living in this house. Just they, they go through it. You know, goo coming out of the fucking the, the floor and the walls and shit. Flies attacking priests. And yeah, there's a there's flies that constantly show up <laughs> uh, burning, scratching marks. You know, everything that you think could be in a haunting came from this story. So. Basically, this ends like the Amityville haunting. Like everything from now is twenty-eight s- days speculation. Just, yeah, and there, <clears throat> from what they say, a lot of crazy stuff happens. There's no proof. There's absolutely no proof in any of the stuff. Like we've said in the story, if you watch the movies and you're like, "Hey, it's a good movie," awesome. You got something out of it. Uh, just just know that the book is even as obnoxious as we're making it sound right now. That's how bad it is. I, when I was going through it today, there were so many points where I just wanted to throw the fucking book. I'm like, how can you sell people this shit? How can you sell people on this shit? Uh, I saw a goat man. There was a, they they have a goat man situation, you know, any kind of trope you can find from the story, the conspiracies. Now I want to get into the conspiracies. So George Lutz, owned a, a failing contractor company. It was failing. It was going to the ground. He was borrowing money from it. He was having run-ins with the IRS. He was having so many issues. So you also have this, this horrible event, and they see an opportunity. Let's move into this very cheap house because guess what? They just died in it. No one wants to live in a fucking house that people just died in, especially when they live in the town and they know the fucking story. So they move into this fucking cheap-ass house that they cannot afford. He's borrowing money from his failing business. His employees are getting fucking pissed at him. So what does he do? He cashes out on the opportunity of almost a lifetime that he absolutely fucking botches. This story is worldwide known. And a lot of people, like... I don't know. There's people that take this shit for truth. It's nuts. It is nuts. The writing is on the wall. But again, that's what the author wanted, you know, <laughs> the the audience to be portrayed. At, at the time, we have to be we have to be more lenient. Mm. Me and you, we like horror. We are films. we are also hypercritical about this one situation. Like yeah. we came into the studio both laughing. Like I can't believe we just did this yeah i mean it like like we said this is why we're doing this is our first ghost story because this is the one that is 100 percent provably to be not true for for the most part you can make an argument but you can argue that the sky is not blue it's teal like it's mm-hmm. there's there's all these arguments that people can make and all that when it comes down to it there's multiple real life reasons why this family moved in left in 30 days and then made money off of it. They got out of the they got out of the loan or the the mortgage. They they so scrapped and sold his family business. He he came out on top so hard. Oh yeah. And it was all because he was failing and he was panicking and he, and he rode this this coattail. He's almost a genius if he wasn't such a piece of shit. <laughs> it's just at the time it was easier to do being the first of anything is is something that'll get you notoriety. Usually comes with money, usually comes with talk shows, usually comes with movie deals. And they got it all. They got it all. They didn't get out as good, excuse me, they didn't get out as Jay Ansem. But the Lutzes, nonetheless, this was the defining thing of their life. They were the family behind the Amityville Horror. And the Amityville Horror itself cannot be understated for what it did for the belief in paranormal paranormal for what it did for the church for what it did for movies and books and and i think honestly it'll be something fun to 
to compare this story to the ghost stories we're going to do later and then to having the interview next week. So, which should come out in two, three, three weeks. Mm-hmm. Should come out in three weeks. So, you guys have gotten a taste of the little hauntings and stuff like that. We obviously have disproven it. Most people have disproven it. We're just riding off of what they said. Debunked. Yeah, yeah. Somebody get the stamp. Debunked. <laughs> and that's our that's our take on the Amityville horror. It was a it's a fun story nonetheless. The movies are good. The book was great for its time. And if you're at home and you're like, these people just don't believe in ghosts, we started this whole episode by talking about it. I, I do. I do. I genuinely believe in ghosts. Dylan's kind of on the fence, but he, he thinks that there's something, there it, could be something out there. Kinetic energy, whatever it is. You definitely can't say that we're skeptics because of our beliefs. We're exactly. skeptics because most of the live people involved in this are hoaxes and con artists. So. And they fucking, like people like Zach Baggins. I love Zach Baggins. But he's such a fucking con artist, man. I love man. him so much. Okay. So you guys have obviously noticed that probably some of our true crime episodes haven't been really coming through lately. Uh, we're human. You know, we're human. We're doing our thing. Uh, we've got lives outside of the show. So it is it is kind of hard to sometimes get together. So while, yes, I live right down the road from Riley, you know, Dylan and Talon live halfway across town right now. So... Just be patient with us. We are coming out with better and new content for the True Crime Show. Thank you guys so much for your patience. Uh, if you want to go ahead and check us out on all of our social medias, Men of Misfortune at pretty much anywhere. If you just type our name in, you're going to find us. If you want to send us like a personal email, go ahead and send us an email at menofmisfortune at gmail.com. We've got a Patreon with extra content. Dylan is editing. We're, you know, we're, we're pulling out all the bonus content we're going to start uploading more soon uh we normally do about one once a month we'll upload an episode on our patreon uh we've got bonus content we've got soon to be videos of dylan and mason playing games we've got merch deals whatever media platform you're on right now look at your phone you're looking at your phone you're holding your phone look at your phone look at your phone there's a plus hit it whatever it is follow don't care just hit it follow us I am your fearless leader, Tyler Campbell. And I'm the intern, Dylan. Stay chaotic. And remember to always stay chaotic. And listen to mom. And we're out. (laughs) 